Hey guys, it's Shelby and you're listening to Lash Boss Radio. This clip that you're about to hear is from an event I did with Lash Affair in Scottsdale in March. It was a live recording of Lash Boss Radio and it was really fun. This first clip is with Janelle. She's the founder of Lash Affair. She's actually been on the show before. I believe she was episode three. And if you want to check out her story, I would listen to that first. In this clip, of course, we talk about Lash Affair and what has changed since we have last recorded, but we also talk about some pretty interesting topics, including product development, some common misconceptions with that, and the debate of to cleanse or not to cleanse before an appointment. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and here it is. A year later, back with Janelle, I basically got your whole lash journey the first go around. So now I guess I really just want to hear about all of the changes that have come to Lash Affair in the last year. It's a lot. We're going to need a lot more time. No, I'm kidding. So we have, I feel like accomplished so much. I'm the most proud of our team and the team that we've grown. So we have doubled, I think tripled the size of the team. We've moved into a new office, which is like triple the size. Um, I think we are servicing triple the amount of clients. So it's been really paying off, like all the hard work that we've been doing. So I'm really proud of that. So what's like on the horizon? Like, what are you guys working on? A a lot of things. Katie's like, don't say anything. No. um, (laughs) So there's a lot of things that we can talk about. And there's a lot of things that we can talk about just because it's just a little too early. Some of our are really exciting. So believe me, when they're ready to launch, it will be on all of our social media and shouting from the rooftops. But one of the things I can talk about, I can't say a solid launch date, is that we're finally launching a lash lift kit. So we've been working. I feel like we've been testing formulas for at least two years and I keep sending it back like, no, this obviously the set, the process time has to be relatively short. Can't be longer than 30 minutes. That's just not going to work. Some of the products that are existing on the market are really great and have short set time. So keep saying set time. I don't know why I think of like a perm. I don't know why process time. Yeah. So that's been really exciting for us. We were just the team before we came here, we're working on the packaging design and we I were, got to see it. yeah, you got to see a little sneak peek. So I'm so excited about it because it's so hard, as you know, from launching a product to concept, like, in, is it inception? Yeah. I always say conception, but that's not a product. <laughs> inception to like when it's actually on the website, we're like ready to purchase. Like, here you go. Sometimes it takes years. So there's a lot of hard work and revisions and stuff that go into that. So. I am so excited. We're hoping to have it sometime in June. No dates, but June, June is our, is our soft spot. So really excited so about that. I think this same, it was kind of the same thing last year. We talked about the cleanser launching and that was something that you guys took a while to develop too. Why do you like to take your time with developing new products? Um, obviously the quality I'm definitely the stickler in the group that's I'm more concerned about quality over a quantity or getting to the race or the finish line first. I don't believe in that. Anything I'm going to put my name on, I want to make sure that I I'm obsessed with it, not just like I'm okay with it. Like I love it because that's how I am with everything. It's like I just love promoting things that I care about because it's not even like a sell. I just like want to talk about it. I'm like, you have to try this as I'm all about it. So mm-hmm. It's just, it's important to me that anything that we put out is, is really high quality and our products, they're not private label, not all of them, but like 95% of them are created 
with not by me specifically, but with a chemist or a whole company that we, you know, work together to make sure the product is exactly how I want it. So it's faster if you just pop your label on something, not if you're like creating something from scratch. Right. I don't think a lot of artists know that just because. Well, because they're getting inundated by Tina and 47 DMs like we make you beautiful price and product and order whatever. It's like, yes, you can go that route, but it's not the best route. Yeah. And you guys started hand testing your tweezers, which is awesome. And then, <laughs> I had to immediately you, look at Sydney. You, She's like, so the I want to talk about chaos surrounding that. Well, I'll that, say it. But, it's very chaotic testing tweezers. Well, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's really <clears throat> frustrating, too, because of the amount that you have to toss out from the order. It is very frustrating. But however, um, some genius in our office, I can't remember who it was, but we're actually saving all of the um, tweezers that are not good for lashing. And we're making this crazy, amazing like piece of artwork with all the tweezers that aren't good. So it's like a tragedy. But at the same time, like what we're going to do with them is like, it's amazing. Yeah. My mouth just opened. We're gonna so we're gonna build a house of tweezers. It's our new office. I just sturdy wisdom teeth out on Wednesday, and my face is still like a little swollen. But like I just opened my mouth, so I hurt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so say I don't know, I don't know, maybe like out of a thousand pairs, we might get like I don't know four that are good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like it's not as much as you'd want it to be. Yeah. So it's about half, maybe sixty percent. Yeah, about half are not good. But, you know, I listened to one of your podcasts the other day with Jill um, from Lash Effects. And I I love that she brought up the point that the tweezers that we're using are not meant for lash lashing. Like they are we're like off label using them. So, of course, we're going to have a lot that are are not, you know, usable. So the tweezers are meant for like electronics. Yeah, electronics, a lot of dental stuff like that, but definitely not picking up 0.05 lashes like they weren't designed for that let's talk about the lash stuff like because all of the strips of lashes are still handmade like so can we talk about the process we can so i think it's i'm actually surprised when a lot of people don't know i don't know why but we went to our manufacturing not last summer but the summer before took a little family trip and we got to tour all of our manufacturing plants and they were super clean. And everyone's like, Asian sweatshop. It like totally wasn't like that. They were very clean. And it was, I was really impressed with just like the order and just the cleanliness and like everyone's uniform. Like, and it was, they, everyone had gloves on and a mask and there was, there's no children working there. It was like nothing like how you'd picture. It was really nice. I don't know. But that's like what people think. Um, but they're handmade and like there's like eight different steps that are handmade and they're like combined and so i feel like whenever a human being is in charge of one step like of course there's going to be variations from like each tray right it's just impossible unless it's made with a mold or by a machine that's like some mathematical formula you're gonna have variables unfortunately Mm -hmm. so i know that it's just really hard to control and give people like that perfection because I let's face it, lash artists are perfectionists, which is awesome. That's why we're in this industry. But I think sometimes we're not really as realistic with this particular product. There, there's just, you know, yeah. I know that I think it's about a half a millimeter 
that they will clear the lash through. So they do like um, the process of like the length. They It's like a handmade blade and they just go like this and they cut it. It's crazy. In the video, you can hear just chopping. It's like so fast. So that's just a person like eyeballing it, cutting it. I know. It. So they'll go through and they quality um, control, check it. And they will say if it's if it's off by a half a millimeter, they'll just push it through. Because you realize the volume that they're doing. Like it would be impossible for them to just to produce as many lash trays as we need and then for them to like have everything be perfect. So. And this isn't just like lash affairs, lashes. This is like, no, no, no. It's, it's all, all manufacturing. Yeah. So, I mean, we're I on the buy into people that are like, this is a these, perfect brand. These lashes have like, no, uh, I don't know. Like when they talk up a brand so high about yeah. how there's no like hue to them and stuff and they don't even Or the realize. curl always stays or like the strip never has a problem. It's like even that. So like the strip that there's new batches of that every single time with a different type of adhesive. And what if that, it, you know, in the truck right over, it was super cold or really hot or wasn't handled properly. I mean, these problems are minute. There's yeah. not, there's not like major disasters here. We're talking about tiny, tiny little problems. But I were on the forums and I see people say, you know, Lashford's the best and this this brand stinks. And then you'll have another person like Lashford stinks and this one's the best. So yeah. it's like it's so personal too. where I don't I don't think any brand is perfect. We're definitely not. But yeah. I know that what we do to make it right is how we handle it. Right. Call our customer service. We're available over 100 hours a week. You know, let us know. Did you get a lash? you know, a tray of lashes that were a little straight, send it back. We'll definitely replace it. So we're, we're fair in that sense. And we don't want anybody to, you know, feel like they wasted money on product that they paid for. So, yeah, you know, I just think people should keep it real. I don't think any brand should shout that like we're perfect every time because I feel like that's yeah. BS. Yeah. And a lot of brands share manufacturers too. And it's that too. wild how you can put down one company and then rise up another one. And then like, did you know that they're from the same manufacturer? Like, you know, sometimes. I know. I know. When I was touring the our facility, I saw multiple brands. So I was like, oh, OK. Hey, guys. Like, yeah. not going to say, but, you know, um, that's confidential. But I don't know. I think that there's not as many manufacturers that are quality as people think. So they're all coming from a, probably like three or four yeah. larger ones. Yeah that are reliable. And then there's like all these little ones that are popping up trying to steal all the business. But right. Can we talk about high quality versus low quality PBT? Yes. And is a thing. Mm. I think that obviously Korean PBT is, is where most of the lashes are created with. So, I mean, I feel like in the beginning of this lash of your journey, I didn't know anything. Like, truly, I'll be the first one to say it. I was like, I'm going to start a lash business. I know nothing. And I was like, OK, with that. I was like, I'm risky, whatever. We'll figure it out as we go. And we were talking earlier how like the first batch of lash, and this is not the current manufacturer or manufacturers that we use now. This is years and years ago. We're like, they sent these lashes. They smelled funny. They were like, weren't even sticking on the thing that like none of the lines were cut. And like, it's just you get what you pay for. So there's definitely all sorts of like raw ingredients that are higher quality over others. It's the way that they're heated. It's how long that they're processed for. So there's a, a lot that goes into it. So we actually when we toured the facility, we saw because they're not meant for lashes. Really, originally, they're more like makeup brushes and toothbrush fibers. So they come in these like little, it looks like a canister. It's just all these like little loose lashes stuck together and they're straight and you can feel them. And some of them are more stiff than others, but it all starts with the raw ingredients. So a lot of people talk about how these lashes or these lashes are 
the blackest lashes or these are like the best because they're so dark. Well, it all starts off as clear. The plastic is clear and then they add like a dye or whatever to make it black color that they add. So at one point, so I had a big, I'm very vocal with my manufacturers. Like when people call and express their opinions, I'm like, thank you so much. And I'm sure you're so grateful when people will give you feedback. Cause I'm, I am more so grateful because you're allowing us the space to improve. So it's like, if people don't give us feedback, like how do we know how you feel about it? So if it's good, we don't just always want good feedback, please. If you get a faulty tray, we want to know about it. So I had a long talk. I was like, Kim, how do we get these more black? Like, right. talk to me about it. So she ends up disclosing to me that the Asian market prefers them more blue. I see. Okay. So they kept them more blue, thinking that we wanted it that way. Okay. And I was like, no, deepest, darkest, blackest. Look up at the night sky. That's the tone. <laughs> like, dark. She's like, oh. So... If you like, even with that, that's a process that's done every single time. So, and also too, that with the mega volume trend, the thinner that something is like, it just gets more see-through. So obviously it's something's thicker. It's, it's thicker. So mm -hmm. the thinner that they go, the more sheer that they're going to appear. So I've yet to see any brand have like a true dark point of three, like so dark. They're all going to have a little bit of, a little bit of blue. Yeah. So Earlier, we were talking about cleansing because we couldn't understand why people don't cleanse before an appointment. I, st I still don't understand. I, I need don't somebody either. to help me understand why. So the argument that I see on the other side, like why people or don't cleanse their clients before they start like a fill or something even, is because they want more lashing time. And to that, I say like, but if you cleanse them you're going to have better retention. So then when they come back for their fill, you are going to have more lashing time because they're going to have more lashes on, right? Yeah, yeah you genuinely look confused because it's confusing. So I'm with you. <laughs> She's like, what? I, just, I don't know. I feel like in the beginning, we didn't know anything. It was all like when primer was new, oh, everybody used primer where it's like, um, I take the stance on primer is because I know some people will be like, don't ever use primer. It's a hard no. I don't really think anything really works like that. I think you have to assess the texture of your client's lashes, their skin type, how sensitive they are. It's like every single client should be treated differently. It's not just no primer for everybody. Because what if you have someone sure. that's the oiliest skin you've ever seen and the yeah. oiliest lashes? Why wouldn't you prime? Tell me why. Like, of course, that's an opportunity for, to prime. So I don't think anything's a hard no, but... I think with cleansing, it's just a better way to, it's a little bit softer. So, you know, obviously primer has, it's alcohol based. So that isn't great to do on someone that's dry every single time. So I think cleansing is great because it cleans the whole orbital area and it's just cleaning your canvas to then have just an easier application process. So, and then also too, I always say that that's a great opportunity to, you know, teach your clients about the product, have them smell it, then they know how it feels. And then it just gets them into good habits of like, you're obviously doing it prior. And obviously when you're doing it, it's a much thorough job. Like you're getting in there. It's just a better angle too, right? Yeah. So you show them, they feel it. And I feel like nothing feels better than after like you cleanse like the lash line and really get in under there. Yeah, so I love that. I don't know. I'm from everything that we know now. I just, I guess I don't, I really don't understand why somebody wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, at my salon, I try to teach the girls like how to, how to think, right? Like when I'm teaching them lashes. It's very kind of you. <laughs> I, I'm trying to, instead trying of saying, to learn like, them. <laughs> use this adhesive when you see that 
you know, it's this humidity in the room, like use this adhesive at this time. Like I want to teach them what to look for when they're working, you know, so that they know like, oh, well, I need to grab a little bit more adhesive or maybe I need to hold my isolation a little bit longer. Right. So I'm trying to teach them how to think more so on their own. And so I don't know, I'm really big into psychology and how the brain works and how to make things stick. Right. And I, that's, it's repet. It's just yeah. repetitive. And it, it takes what, like, would they say seven touches for like for yeah. sales? Oh, now yeah. it's up to 12. Yeah. Oh, oh thank you for the update, Cutie Hearst. So, so I believe it. So yeah, I mean, how many times you have to reach out to somebody and tell them the same thing for they start to make it a habit. So they say like, what, two weeks of like doing something or undoing something for you just to get into a good habit. So I think you as an artist, like setting the tone in the appointment, like I yeah. cleanse, you should every well, night. You know, yeah, it just doesn't. Yeah. And plus like all the oil buildup and you know, I, um, we sell aftercare. I'm a mascara gal will always be, I'm never throwing it away. I'm not like, no, you know, mascara. I hate, I hate that. I, of course I don't have it on today cause I lost it <laughs> random, but I wear it bottom lash mascara every single day. Yeah. I think it's more important is like how I remove it. Yeah. Than like actually putting it on there. Right. Because I have great retention because right. I clean my lashes all the time and I just make sure that the product during the time of application is not interfering with the bond. Right. Because that's really when it happens. If you have gunk on your lash and you go to put a lash on, there's a surface blocker. Of course, it's not going to have the great retention yes. that you're looking for. So you can do the things, in my opinion, you can wear, you know, the mascara on the bottom, occasional liner on the top. Just take it off. Yeah. Especially the days you're getting your lashes done. Yeah. So kind of in the same way that I treat my artists, like I want them to treat their clients too. So when we're seeing a new person for the first time, when we're cleansing, we're talking about the cleanser. Exactly. And it's really easy to So it's your, your consultation process yes. is strong. That's yeah. something we, um, as you know, you were a trainer for, or educator mm -hmm. for us. And I think that that's what sets apart good artists too, is like you have to have a strong consultation and it starts from day one. Set the tone yeah. for them. Like this is a serious commitment. You know, this is, they're spending good money. I'm sure, you know, your, your prices are the way that they are because you're, you're talented. So you just want to make sure that like they're understanding like what you're doing. Why, why does your service cost so much? You, you gotta, you don't want to explain too, too much, but you just have to let them know like, yeah. sort of the ins and outs and I think that home care or aftercare is a huge part of that yeah we always say it's like three parts it's the product which we can you know we can get we got that for you yeah it's your your technique your skill set you can get that and then there's their part they have to clean and they have to you yeah. know they can't sleep in their face they can't be rubbing their eyes and wonder why yeah we yeah. try not to like <laughs> rattle off all of these things to them because there's yeah. a lot that goes into taking care of your lashes if you think about it but we try to do it like when their eyes are closed and when we have that time with them where we know that their brain is going to pick it up better versus when they're ready to leave and they've already seen the yeah. lashes and they're ready to pay and get out. You're not going to just be like, okay, and don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. So we talk to them about cleansing when we're cleansing. We talk while about, they're experiencing it too. Yeah. It resonates a little bit more. Exactly. Then they're smelling it. They're feeling it. You're yeah. talking about it. So good. yeah, I, I just, there's a lot of things that I either bend the rules on or like, I don't have blanket policies with our clients either. We, we've had a really good, you know, run with our clients and not treating them like robots or not acting like robots ourselves. And just, I don't know. I see the way that some people encourage other artists to talk to their clients or like fire their clients for like 
like their dog died and they couldn't come to their appointment and they're getting charged a late fee or something. Like I don't have (laughs) blanket statements and blanket policies for my clients. And, um, it's good to be firm, but it's also good to be human. Yes. So I think, and that's why here to be like 1000% like firm because we have our policies like on our website and our email and like reminder stuff. But when it comes down to it, I'll tell a client like, Hey, our policy is this, but I'm going to waive it for you this time. And nine times out of 10, that client is so grateful and they're definitely coming back. And probably us. won't do it again. Yeah. They'll that, respect really you. Happen. Yeah, exactly. It it's, it's mutual. People think that it's like, oh, they're going to do it like all the time now. And it's like, no, actually they don't because yeah. I have two salons full of clients and we, that's how we handle stuff, you know? So yeah. I don't like seeing like bad advice like that. And like, I don't know where I was going with that, like the blanket statements, <laughs> yeah. but like, yeah, I don't know. We need some clarity on why people don't cleanse. So maybe we can, yeah. <laughs> so maybe people can chime in during the Q&A oh, portion that, of that's this. It. Or... Like, it, that, that's something <clears throat> like, a, that is a hard yes. Like I have to, you you do need to cleanse before right. every appointment. That's just, that's how it is. Other things I'm more than- And I think that it's the artist that should be doing it though. yeah, yeah. yeah. Which that's the part where we were talking about that earlier, where they're like, oh, I'll just send them to the bathroom and do it. They're I'm an like, adult. They, they know how to trusted. Like- not in a bad way, but they, <laughs> they're not going to clean it the way that you would clean it. And it's like, why don't you just do that for them? It's for you, essentially. You're yeah. just making sure that your workspace, your canvas is clear for you to apply lashes. So, and at the end of the day, this is a luxury service. And like, it takes, we were joking around, like, I think it takes, what, two minutes to cleanse. It's not like it's a 15-minute process, so I don't get that we need more time for lashing. Yeah. Like, your lashes will go on better. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I just, I just, I still don't understand. I, I think it's lazy. I do. I, I, I think people are lazy. Yeah. Set it. <laughs> Set it. <laughs> lazy. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, do we have to end on that note? <laughs> Let's end on something nicer. <laughs> So I stick by that. Like in my experience, like they can't be trusted. Like, I don't think that they're going to get it properly. Perhaps your clients do. They're all, all clients are are different, but I don't know. But at the same time, she's a solo artist that like, she knows her clients so well and she knows like to tell them like, and she knows how to talk to them. But I don't know, like in a space like mine, I don't know all of my clients. And I also don't know how my artists are like, are, are they being like that to all my clients? So Maybe it depends, but like, I would say the safest thing would be to just cleanse everyone before you start their appointment. I don't know. I I just feel like it's just part of the service. I don't know. It's not like extra. So maybe it's just the way you think about it. I don't know. I'm not backing down from that one. (laughs) I say cleanse, cleanse hard, often, (laughs) cleanse hard and often. Okay, cool. Not too hard. You want to shake things up a bit. Well, thanks for, for being here. (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks for putting this on. Yeah. I'm so happy you came. I was telling the girls, I was driving to work today. I was so happy. I was like, I felt like I was drinking before work. I'm so happy that you were coming and we used to see each other so much, you know, more than we do now. All right. This next clip is with Allie Lilly. She's a lash artist in Scottsdale, Arizona, and you guys probably recognize her as Lash Anarchist on Instagram. In this clip, we talk about how she made a unique brand following her gut and, of course, a few other things. But this clip is only 10 minutes long. I'm also interviewing some other people at this event, so you guys will hear that after this. So Allie is a lash artist out of Scottsdale, and we've actually recorded together twice, but no one has ever heard the interview because 
The first one was so long ago and I, we wanted to just redo it, I guess. And so we decided we had this epic idea that we were going to drink wine the whole interview. And we both drank a whole entire bottle of wine and it was a really good interview. It was really good. But then my phone shut off or the computer shut off and basically the app closed out and it didn't save any of the audio. But we were yeah. really, we were feeling we really good. Wasted. And so it was a waste. Strinkle. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. I just don't recommend, <laughs> but I wish. We were like telling the truth. Yeah, it was really good. It was But good. I feel like now we can kind of do a mini version of that so just tell everyone i guess how you got started in the industry and just kind of about your lash journey okay so i started doing lashes because my mom does lashes and she started a line lash bomb and i just remember absolutely hating my job i was a cocktail server and i'm not a good waitress like you guys probably if you know of me like I'm just, I have a really hard time, like, keeping my emotions off of my face, basically. So it was a really terrible server. But yeah, and her job just looked so much more fun to me than my job. And I was like, you basically, like, make girls feel good and you get to hang out with, like, your girlfriends all day long. And that's literally all I've ever wanted. So I was like, I'm just gonna, I was like, well, I'm, I'm just going to see like if I can go to school, whatever. Remember the next day I went, I called around. I went to school the next day. That's so cool. Yeah. Like a, a class had started the day that I wanted to start up and they ended up letting me go late. So sweet. Yeah. That's how I got into it. Yep. My you, mom taught me. That's awesome. I really love that relationship. It's really cool. And you guys really have lucky. a brand and y'all kind of like work side by side and, and she carries your line right on her website. Yeah. So she carries my line because she didn't have a mega volume line and sells it out of the stores. So it's awesome. This packaging. Yeah, it is. It's like it's so different. It's like the opposite of ours, but it's like, I love that one. I told you last time I saw you, saw you, right? That it's about to get more wild. I'm changing it. Yes, y'all see in a little bit. I want to see. Life with Allie. Right? Hey, Allie, there you go. Life with Allie. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, mom. So, when you first entered the industry, you your brand was like Lash Lily. That was your your last name is Lily. So yeah, that's why you picked that. But now you're the Lash Anarchist. Yes, which is much more fitting. Yes. Talk to us about like the switch over. So when I moved to Arizona almost three years ago, I didn't have an Instagram. Everything, all my clients, everything was word of mouth. So I was like, oh, shoot, like everyone's like wanting to see my Instagram. So I was like, I'm going to make one. I didn't really think about it, but it just like fit Lash Lily. It sounds good. Whatever. It's my last name. Everyone thinks that it's my first name, though, which is Lily. Yeah. So many people call me Lily, but it makes sense. Like. It is a first name too. So, but I think I just kind of like found myself and found my voice, like in my trainings, like I used to train for lash bomb forever. And it was just kind of, it was a very set basic training, but the way I lash is totally different than the way that I was training. So Mm -hmm. I just felt like I wanted something more fitting for me and something that I could give, I don't know, something that I could be like so totally myself, like just authentic Yeah. And Lash Lily was like pretty and it was cute and whatever. But like, I'm just not that way. Like, I'm just more kind of rule breaker. I like crazy colors. I like 
pretty girls, you know, I don't know. So that's what I kind of created my brand around around. Yeah. Just like colors and fun. And yeah, that's why I switched. It's kind of like uh, anti, I don't know, your brand reminds me of like sticking it to the man kind of. Yeah. It's like all I've ever wanted to do. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I just didn't feel like I had a place. I didn't see myself in any of the lash lines that were already out there. Sorry. No offense. You guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And I felt like a lot of people were just kind of doing the same thing, but trying to do it better, like imitating lash affair or, imitating lash bomb and I was like I don't want to imitate anybody like I just want to be myself and I want it to be fun Mm -hmm. and so I feel like when you made the switch your growth was just like yeah it was crazy and it's crazy because all you did was like you were the same you're kind of the same like you're really good lash artist back then too but it was like you're being yourself not that you weren't yourself then but I don't know I think that speaks volumes i feel like i wasn't being myself and that's the thing yeah (laughs) speaks mega volume (laughs) so when i have students ask me about that they'll be like what do you think about my instagram i tell everybody i'm like how about you just be a little bit more like yourself I love that. Because I think it really attracts the right clients to you. Yeah. I need to put, like, more cats on my Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> cats. So you are you just released this new workshop that you're doing. It's a one-day workshop. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I haven't done it yet. So we'll see how it goes. But I just felt like it would be really cool to... My favorite thing is, like creative mapping. So I was like, what if I could just do a class that's just like all about the mapping and like my favorite hacks, how to get around the rules. We talked about that before, like, cause you were like, how do you pull off the links? And I'm like, but what if you just do long links on one layer mm-hmm. and you blend them up? Right. So that's why I'm calling it the layer slayer class because Ooh. it's literally just manipulating layers to give your clients Basically, what they've been asking for, they want length, they want texture, they want fullness. There are formulas to get those without it being damaging. Yeah. So. Many, many years ago, like I remember this the last time we recorded um, and I brought it up and you were like, how do you remember that? But a lot of my guests actually, I'm like, I remember like five years ago you said and they're like, what? I don't even remember that. But you said whoever said that you can't have both length and fullness just didn't get creative enough. And that's literally like your tagline, I feel like. <laughs> it's, yeah, because I hacked it. Yeah. You know? I love that. I think you just got to get creative because ultimately, who pays our bills? Our clients. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they want length and they want fullness, figure out how to give it to them. Yeah. Love that. She's going to have her own episode. It'll be long. One day. It's coming. One day. (laughs) Why did you tell this story? Oh my God. We went live afterwards too. Yeah. I deleted it. She deleted it. I I was laying in bed. The room was spinning and I was like, should I really have that up there? Like, what did I say? Is that okay? And I was like, I just need to take it down. I can't do that. But. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we're trying to New do. series. Thank you. I keep thinking we should just do that. Just like interview people drunk but live. That would be so fun. No edit. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. That's, I know. It'd be so fun. I feel like I'm best when I'm drinking. Sorry, mom, again. <laughs> I am too. Well, that's me. I used to be a bartender and people used to tell me that. Like, I, I was like, was I mean? Like, they're like, you're so nice when you're drinking. And I'm like, wait. Like, was I mean otherwise? Yeah. So I'm like a mean, sober person. <laughs> no, I am. I get grumpy. I'm like really strict with my clients. Mm. That's what I was saying. Like, with like uh, the cleansing thing. The cleansing. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't want to do it. I feel like take care of it before you come in. Mm and that's why so and if they're really bad at it i'll uh i'll definitely like tell them i'll be like yeah you need to clean better or whatever and and maybe i'll show them how but attention is good yeah but they all clean themselves though like if they have dirty lashes i'll be like go to the bathroom and clean your lashes Okay, so this next clip is with Brittany Jordan, who is the owner of Arizona Beauty Co. in Phoenix, Arizona. She has a really successful salon with employees, so we just chat about ownership, and I really enjoyed hearing her perspective on it. It's just about a seven-minute clip, so I hope you guys like it. This is a challenge how fast I can answer this. So, Brittany, you are a salon owner. Mm -hmm. Where is your salon? It's in Arcadia. It's called Arizona Beauty Co. And how long have you been a salon owner? So I opened that brand in February of last year. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I was mostly doing lashes and microblading under a different brand name. So what would you say are some of the biggest struggles that you faced whenever you expanded? I would say, I think that the most important thing is to have realistic expectations. I think a lot of times people just enter into the industry and they think that it's going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. I know that I personally, and a lot of the people that I work next to and have talked to sacrificed a lot to get here. And so there's a lot of early mornings and late nights and it's not glamorous until it is. And so there's this thing that says like, don't judge, you know, like don't judge where you are compared to what you see other people doing because it was ugly for a long time and people don't see that phase. And I think totally, it's still my ugly thing. Totally. I like literally will tell everyone in my training courses and I will say I have been homeless. I have struggled. I gave up everything. And I think that like, and I mean, I wasn't houseless, not homeless, like on the corner, but I think that, that, you know, those were the sacrifices that I had to make in order to afford those first months on my own. So what would you say to an artist that wants to open a salon like when do you know that you're ready and I guess I just see a lot of people like they aspire to be a salon owner so badly mm-hmm. and I'm just like don't do it yeah <laughs> I I totally know what you mean it takes a specific type of personality I tell my girls that you know working with people is so much more enjoyable yeah. and you it, it's if you can find the right situation and find the right home that's just as rewarding and there's it's there's an ego trip, I guess, with saying you own your own business. But then there's not because I see people that that do whatever they want whenever they want. And yeah. there's two sides of it. So 
I would say the number one thing I would say is from the very first lash or brow or whatever you're doing, be incredibly kind and warm to people because that's what will keep your doors open. Things are going to go wrong. You're going to have bad months. Things are going to happen to you personally and in your business. And you want people to buy you. I always say people buy you so much more than they're buying your service. And when things go wrong, you want them to have like a soft spot towards you and what you've built. And that's what has kept the doors open for us. I love that. Yeah, I agree with that. When I first opened my salon I was so I thought I just knew everything and that it because it was really easy for us to get clients just because the team was so talented and then when I opened my second location that's when I like hit rock bottom and I was like I know absolutely nothing and how have I been open this long like with even one salon and then I had to like (laughs) I had to really I've just become such a better business owner because of it, just because I did struggle so much and I had to really figure out, like, I had to get smarter with, like, financial stuff too, but it's just so much that goes into owning a business and it's just really cool to be a business owner and that's why people want to do it so that they can say they have their own place and they're their own boss and it's so not like that at all, but... Yeah, so our very first event was on long term potential, which was a panel that we asked several people from different, like we asked a salon owner, we asked an individual artist, we asked someone from the fashion industry what they feel is like the number one quality that entrepreneurs have to possess. And you said that it takes a, a certain person to open a salon. So I'm curious, what is the thing that you think is the quality that's, is that what you feel sets people apart that are a salon owner? Well, I totally believe that your mindset creates your reality. And I think that when I'm advising people or helping people with their businesses, I listen really closely to what they say about their life and their adventure and their building. Because if you're the type of person that's like, I'm going to succeed and I'm going to help so many people. I don't care if you have $4, you're going to do it. And I was like, in my opinion, it's such a mindset thing and risk taker. Yeah. You say you're a good person all day, but we, we lay at people's heads all day. We feel each other's energy, right? So yeah. I think that it's important that precedes anything else that you're going to do in life so i would say that's the number one thing is is being okay with having a changing a mindset if it's faulty there's so many things you're gonna have to audit as you own the company you're gonna have to say like well i really suck at that like it's all like i'm like okay i agree that too positivity is great but also know when to like know when something isn't working yeah be realistic too it's like all right it's not even positivity right it's not like it's like realistic yeah you just said yeah yeah. (laughs) self-awareness too like self-awareness is huge yeah. It was brought up. Very, yeah, Alex is something. Yeah. It's also accessible. Just listen. All right, this next clip is with Angie Tristan. It's a pretty short clip, just a couple minutes long. She's a newer artist out of Fountain Hills, Arizona, and she is fresh out of her first volume training with Lash Fair. And I just feel like the education now compared to even five years ago is astronomically better and more accessible. And I just wanted to hear from someone who's newer in the industry and her take on education. So we have Angie here, and she is fairly new in the lash industry. She just learned volume with Lash Affair. So how long have you been lashing? So I took my first course in November of 2017 when I was still in aesthetic school. So about a year and a half now. Mm -hmm. And how was your experience taking, you know, your first volume course? And it was with Lash Affair. Like, how was that? I actually fell in love with it. You know, with my first course, I ended up feeling at a really high level and then left feeling discouraged. Like I had 
could never do this. Like I made a mistake and I spent all this money. But after taking the course with Lash Affair and especially in the weeks after, they've really made me feel like a family with them. Not like I'm just left on my own to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And they focus so much on the details of what I was doing, not just like this is how you do it. Now figure it out on your own. Right. How important do you feel like it is to train with a reputable company? To me, that's honestly one of the most important things, especially now since any and everybody is teaching lashes to anyone who will give them money. So it's really important that you're taking it with a reputable company who is teaching safety and hygiene because it's so much more than just sticking a lash on someone and taking their money. Absolutely. And then the transition from, you know, just offering classic to now you're doing volume for artists that maybe haven't stepped into the volume waters yet. What advice do you have for them? Like how how did it change your clientele and things like that? Well, I think with our industry specifically, like it's growing so fast and trends are changing. Like right now, mega volume is a big thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's good to feel comfortable in what you're doing, but you also want to be able to adapt to what your customers want and not just saying like, oh, well, I know you want long and full, so I can only do as much as I can with this. So it's always important to continue your education and learn more because you're not going to continue to grow as an artist if you just stick to that one class you took years ago. Exactly. Yeah. I think that a lot of people, sometimes they'll sign up for a lash course and then they'll say like, okay, well, I know lashes now. Like I don't need to take a training. There's been people that like, I've just let know like, Hey, I'm teaching, you know, in San Antonio, for example. And one of the responses I got was I already know how to do lashes. And I was like, what? <laughs> that doesn't mean you stop learning. So yeah, I agree with that. Well, cool. I think Lash Fair is about to release their mega volume course. So that may be something next. Yeah. yeah. All right. So this next clip is with Daisy Bispo. She's a lash artist out of Gilbert, Arizona at Wildflower Beauty Bar. I've been noticing her work on Instagram really improve. So I wanted to talk to her about that. Her Instagram handle is Lash Deity. So give her a follow. But this next clip is just a couple minutes. And here it is. Okay, so we have Daisy here. She works in, you work in Gilbert. I do. And you work at Wildflower I Beauty do. Bar yes. with Kendra. She's one of my good friends. And um, <laughs> I was talking with Janelle earlier about just how your work has improved so much. Thank like, you. Worked my ass off for it. Yeah. yeah so, so what changed? Like, what are the things that you've been implementing to contribute to that growth? Oh my gosh. I guess I never thought about what changed. Honestly, like I've put in the work. I work seven days a week. I work 11 to nine. I treat every single client. Like you're going to walk out of here with a freaking badass set. Like I just try to treat every single client. Like this set's going to be killer. And I think that just shows practice and patience and persistence mm -hmm. go a long way, but I've not done anything. I took Allie's class. I took Bree's class. And then after that, just kept learning. Yeah. And being intentional with what you're doing. Cause if you're That's telling something. your client, like this is what I'm going to give you, yeah. then you're going to be working hard every single lash right. fan that you're making too. Absolutely. Yeah. Be intentional. I mean, there's a reason why I'm using this many lashes for this natural lash. And there's, there's got to be a system too on what you're doing. You have to, you have to know your end goal mm -hmm. too. So yeah. I think before I really was just putting lashes on the, pro the proper way, but now I go into shaping and weight and everything like that. Yeah. And wildflower, like the, I guess the 
embodiment of you guys as a team kind of reminds me of how my team is too. And I, I just love watching you guys because it's so awesome to see women getting along and working together and yeah. lifting each other up and not competing with one another. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about like, you know, how important a positive work environment is or like the culture that you guys have over there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to go to work and enjoy where you're at. So I think we set that tone for us as a team and our clients. Like we don't want clients to walk in and feel like they don't belong there. And the same with the team. Like I was promoted to manager last last year sometime. And I just feel like I want people to be able to come to me for anything, for help. Or do you need me to show you something? Do you need me to talk to your client for you if there's an issue? Like I just feel like it just needs to be an even keel. Like there's enough lashes to go around. There's there's no competition needed. All right. So this last clip is from the Q&A portion of the live event. And Katie from Lash Affair is actually the one relaying the questions to me. So here it is. So who has questions for Shelby? I will repeat your questions. Yes. Shelby, how did you know you were ready to open up your own salon? Even though you thought to yourself, don't do it. When I was actually, before I went to beauty school, I knew I was going to already. I used to write my plans in a notebook as I was like in college, like in my college classes. I've always had a very entrepreneurial spirit. Even when I was a little kid, like I was the lemonade stand girl. I was rallying my friends and we would start clubs and I've said this on the show before that like we would put on like talent shows in the neighborhood and stuff. And so I've always known that I was going to do it. But when I was actually, you know, a solo artist and the point where I knew like, okay, I can start looking for spaces now is when it started to get harder to fit clients in. And I started to feel like I I was getting a little bit overwhelmed. Um, I was comfortable financially, but I also just, because it was my intention to do that from the beginning, I was thinking about it every single day. And I knew I had kind of prepared my mind in like everything for what I was about to endure. Cause I knew it was going to be difficult, but I didn't ever have like, which is kind of a good and bad thing. I didn't ever have like an inkling of doubt or fear when people would say to me, don't do it. Like salon owners, I would be like, yeah, you don't know me. So, and I wish that I would have listened more just because they did have probably really some good insight because I know now like what they meant, but, um, yeah, it was just like, I, I started to get really busy. I, took a lot of classes and I was really kind of like how Daisy was just describing, like, you know, she was really intentional with her work and it wasn't just like applying lashes and just trying to make money. It was more about like the client's experience and trying to make sure every set that walked out of the door, like represented me well. And so that's how it was so easy to build my team because you know, I started to get a reputation in my city and then it was really easy to get more clients in. And I didn't really have a hard time doing that. It was just the other stuff that later an actual salon is just, it's not just cool. Like you have a team and, and now you guys just get clients. It's, there's so much that goes into running a business. It's a real business. And a lot of people are just thrown into it because they got busy and they want to hire someone. And and, you know, I see people say like, oh, what do I, 
what do I charge or what do I pay my first employee? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I have like a novel I can give you like about like how to even answer that question because I can go into this like so in depth, but it's just, it just worries me when I see so many people like wanting to open a salon and not knowing like what they're about to go through. It just scares me for them. But at the same time, I want to encourage people to do it because it is so rewarding at the same time, but it's not easy at all. And it's, you don't want to do it for the wrong reasons. Don't do it because you feel like you have to, and don't do it because it sounds cool. Cause you're going to be really sad. Like right after you open, <laughs> like after the grand opening, it's all going to go downhill from there. <laughs> it's kind of like restaurants have the same problem. Anthony Bourdain wrote about this where he said anyone who gets told that they're really good at cooking it repeatedly starts to think, oh, maybe I should open a restaurant. But being good at cooking doesn't mean you're good at running a restaurant. Right. And so like you were saying, lash studio owners kind of are a specific individual mm-hmm. that gets busy and is a great lash artist, but has this other thing. Yeah. Like you were saying, you you had that entrepreneurial spirit before you even began doing that. Yeah. And yeah. Like at the same time that I had that in me the whole time, it was kind of like, but I didn't know everything. And and it's really, it's not safe to think that just because even in lashing, it's not good to think, you know, everything because there's still more to learn and just life. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm really proud of the decision that I made to open, but with that came so many like, whoa, (laughs) just got like, it just, yeah, it was really hard too. So yeah. All right. Next question. I thought I saw one over here. Yes. So the the question is that heard on a recent podcast about cleansing after the fill. And if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yes. They don't need all of that time. So actually within like a few minutes, it's fully cured and you can cleanse them. And I think that it's better to cleanse them the day of the appointment. If, if not, like you can definitely do it right after the fill, if, as long as it's like, I don't know, five minutes. So the time it takes you to check for stickies really thoroughly, which you should be, you can cleanse and they're good to go. I definitely think that you should ask them like, hey, are you going to go straight home or are you going to put makeup on or any skincare? Because if so, like I'm going to cleanse them right now. If you're just going to go home, go ahead and just wash them before bed because you don't need to wait 24 hours. When someone's even brand new to lashes, I like to tell them like, hey, you may have heard like you have to wait 24 hours to cleanse them. That doesn't apply to the adhesive that we use. You can go into more detail with them. But yeah, in short, it's just nowadays that rule doesn't apply. It's very outdated. And I think waiting is actually worse. Like most All adhesives. They need water to complete the Nova Lash like, though? That hardened cure, it needs the H2O. Right. So in essence, why you're doing it, is to like shorten the exposure that your clients have to. It'll reduce the chances of. I know I use your clear connections, but on an adhesive that has the carbon in it, it's not going to nope. create that determination. No. The, the reason why that happens, I actually have an amazing photo on my phone. Sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, it's it's okay. What they're saying is what they're saying is that you don't necessarily need to do that because adhesives are so much better. What were you saying, Janelle? So the cyanoacrylate needs H two O. The cyanoacrylate like needs H two O. Like a molecular structure, it looks like yeah. this weird puzzle piece. Right. So it needs that to, to cure. So right. it's solid, right? So the reason why I always have to give him credit because he's a scientist that sort of brought this to light. 
or it's not an opinion. This is science. So he's like, the sooner that you introduce the water, it literally stops the vapors from you just, you know, emitting into the air. So it lands on the client's skin. And that's how sometimes people will react because it doesn't touch the skin. It's the vapors falling onto the skin that will then have people have, you know, either swelling or some reaction. So that's how any allergy happens. It's just repeated exposure to whatever. So if you have repeated exposure to the cyanoacrylate vapors, you could potentially over a long period of time develop an allergy. So he was like, if you use the nanomister and then you cleanse immediately after, you're just, you know, stopping that process from happening. It's so the just, same reason why we put a drop of water on the glue when we're finished using yeah, that one. Exactly, the because there's gases that come into yeah, the air. Yeah, yeah. Right? So if you, that's a great thing to bring up too. So we always encourage our client or our students to, when you're done with your little, I don't know, wherever you keep your adhesive, is pour water on it before you put it into the trash and kill it and stop it from happening. So the blooming or the shock polymerization that you're talking about, that white is when the water hits it too fast. So like she said, you need to wait a few minutes. It's He recommended one to two at least before introducing the water. Okay. So it's like the last lash that you place, you, that's when the clock starts. Not like we've been talking, it's like the last one, boom. And then you introduce the water. So I have a really great photo of what shock polymerization looks like under a microscope. And it looks like it's just like a shatter. I want to add that there was a video that went viral in our industry, and it was someone that was... It's the PPT. Oh, yeah. Somebody had made this video. They had poured a couple of dots of adhesive and dropped water on it. So the problem with that is that we don't use that much adhesive on a lash, and so it it's not an accurate like test, you know? So it really can, this is the question. I, it wasn't a question. I just added on that there was a viral video in our industry that, uh, somebody had put a dot of adhesive and then cotton. no on just like a Jade stone and put water over it and said, well, this is why you need to wait 24 hours. Remember there was like a video and it was like a fresh dot and then a 24 hour cured dot. And, and then she put water on it. And she was like, this is why you don't want to introduce water too fast. But I was saying it's not accurate, like it wasn't accurate, like test, because we're not using that big of a blob of adhesive. So it just confused a lot of people. So people were like hearing, you know, this logic and then they were seeing that video and they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? And with anything, I think you should just, again, like how to think, think about it and question things before you just like listen, you know, even, you know, if I say something like question why, like where did you get that from? But do tests like that, but it has to be accurate too. You can't just science. Well, and from the client, from the client side, because I'm not a lash artist. When I have had my lashes done, the one time I did not get cleansed immediately after my appointment. So my artist cleanses about five to seven minutes after I'm done. The one time I went to a different artist and he didn't, I went home and cried at some Meg Ryan movie and immediately had a reaction that caused me to have to go to the bathroom. And like it, my eyes are red for a couple of hours. And I was, I'm like, that's, that's why. Cause I clearly have a sensitivity and that's, that's nice to have that cleansing afterwards. So I don't have to worry about it. It's just, it's just kind of yeah. like going, Oh yeah. To Sorry. I have a question. Right. Where it's like, why have that exposure? If it's not necessary. Just why not stop the fire? Like, you know, you put the fire, you blow the candle and it continues to smoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's not the same, but it's very similar. Just stop. Allie, what is your question? Do you need to cleanse or is that why we have a sealer is the question. 
So the sealant doesn't really do the same thing. So then they notice the sealant doesn't do the same thing. I'm just talking. I want to say that Doug spoke on this in a forum. I read like a long thing of Doug. This is what I'm getting my information and reiterating. He's a chemist. He's a world leading expert on sand. He he's a big guru in the nail industry too. Like he knows a lot, and he goes head to head with people. This is from a presentation. So he spoke about that product actually and someone who was promoting the product and him were like disagreeing on it we'll do it all the time he had like a long uh explanation as to, i want to go find that discussion because it was like paragraphs oh, of yeah. information but the chemist doug shoon said no to just do water so i don't know yeah so at cleansing with the cleanser prior, it's just the water after, just straight water. Yeah, because there's other ingredients in there that are mm-hmm. gonna, like after the blocker. So it just needs the water. So instead of nano misting, so nano misting is water. So you just nano mist? Yes. But you don't actually do it with corn. You can, you can you can do the cleansing if you want to get like all the red off the skin. She's saying I feel like if you just introduce the water, like like the nano mister, that's sufficient. Okay. One more question. So the question is that if someone wants to be more known in the lash community, but isn't looking to become an educator or to open their own salon, what opportunities are out there to be more high profile? A really good one is to compete. So go to trade shows and conferences and network with people, get to know them. I have met so many people just from going to events, but competing and not even, you don't even have to win, but like going to a competition will teach you so much about your because it's skill. Yeah. Like it's cool because sometimes they'll give you feedback like on your score sheet, which is really awesome. And plus being around other artists that are trying their hardest will make you just try super hard. And it's really cool to push yourself that way. And that gets your name out there for sure. Like a lot of times whenever they release the finalists or the first, second, third place, I look at their names and I'm like, oh, I recognize that name. I recognize that name. Go look them up. And I'm like, wow, like her work is really good. And so you don't even have to win. Like, but if just going to that is going to get your name out there more, but being active on social media too, you know, just posting your work. And I think that's good too. I think a lot of people are scared to compete though, but I don't see why you should do it. You should do it. Challenge to everyone. Well, thank you so much, Shelby. All right, well, this wraps up my very first recording of Lash Boss Radio Live, which again was hosted by Lash Affair in Scottsdale, Arizona. I want to do so many more of these kinds of events. So if you want to host a Lash Boss meetup or if you want to host a live podcast event with me, make sure to email me. I'll leave my email in the show notes. I hope you guys have a great week and I'll be back very soon with the next episode.